0: that one's on me. (laughs) I said thank you, but y'all didn't hear it. I hope they did. Man, good morning. Happy New Year. How's everybody doing? Good. Awesome. Thank you, Joshua. He is doing well. He had a birthday yesterday. So we had waffles. It was wonderful. Um, Quick reminder today as we start, we got several church members who are sick, um, so let's pray. Let's just take a moment right here at the beginning uh, before we get started. Uh, Debbie's got uh, pneumonia, I think it was bronchitis and turned into pneumonia or, or both at the same time. Um, ben and David and Alex, Ben and David McKay and then Alex Felter have all um, tested positive for COVID. So let's just pray um, real quick and then also just want to remember Leah and the things that are happening with her heart. So um, let's pray real quick this morning and then we'll dive in. Father, I want to lift up to our family members this morning, Lord, that are struggling with sickness. Um, Got a lot of different kinds that are happening. Um, Father, I pray for them, for healing, that your healing hands would be upon them, that you would give them um, the spirit and the opportunity of rest to take uh, advantage of the sickness um, and to be at peace. Father, I pray for their families, um, that you would um, protect them, keep them from getting sick as well. Um, and Lord, we want to ask that you would burden our hearts for them this week, that we would remember them in prayer. And, and God, again, we ask that you would heal them and help them to recover very quickly. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray for these things. Amen. All right. If you missed last week, um, we, we took a break from our study of Hebrews and had kind of a special Christmas service. Um, I, didn't, I chose not to record that. So if you look for it on Podbean or, or, or what, however you consume that and it's not there, that's why it's because we didn't record it. Um, so sorry if you missed it. We'll do something similar again next year. Um, but I want to kind of recap a lot of what we talked about two weeks ago. Um, it was the Sunday that we baptized Joshua. We began Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to talk about a lot of those same things that we already talked about. Um, because I need to kind of get us back in the frame of reference um, of where we left off, thinking about the end of chapter 10 and moving into chapter 11, which is the chapter on faith. Um, and man, I love that that last song this morning in the set of, because and we're, I'm, I didn't write this and intend to to address it this morning, but one of the things that kind of became obvious as we were singing that song this morning is that the kind of the unwritten character in this whole story is God. We're going to see all these examples of men and women being faithful to God and the unmentioned thing is God's faithfulness to his people. And man, what a great reminder to kind of center my heart this morning about God's faithfulness and his work in our lives. So um, over the last couple of, or two weeks ago, um, I, I've mentioned many times that our goal was that our hope that we have would grow into faith. And we all kind of start wherever we are. It's not like there's a you know, it's not like a number system where you're at one or five and you're trying to go from there. We're all kind of in different places because our life experiences are so different. But the goal for all of us is that um, that our desire would grow or our hope would grow into faith. We talked about two weeks ago that hope is a desire for something to happen, and there's kind of this undertone of uncertainty. When you're hoping for something, you want it to be true, but you're not sure if it will be true. Um, faith from a modern secular viewpoint from the world's view is often described as kind of a blind leap right so um, you know like think Indiana Jones do y'all remember that where he's standing and he's got to cross the big chasm and he just kind of steps out and then there's a invisible bridge that he can't see that's there that's kind of often how we think of faith in the world of just kind of trusting in the process or trusting in something that we can't see. And often when you look at the book of Hebrews because it, the way it phrases it, we kind of put those connotations on it. it's uh, the belief in things unseen. But what I want to challenge us today is is what we see when we look at biblical faith is something that's a little bit different than that. Biblical faith is the certainty that it will happen, not based on hope or hard work or just in things unseen, but it's it's certainty based on God's character, on things that we have experienced as we have walked with Him. These characters that we're about to read about today had faith because they had prior experiences with God that informed them, right? So it's not, I'm hoping that God will do this because He's a good God. It's not, I'm going to just trust the process and step out here and see what happens. It's God has spoken this and I'm going to do it. And I know that his promises are always yes and amen. Amen. And when God speaks it, he's going to do it. So let's, let's kind of jump back for just a second to Hebrews chapter 10. Let's read verse 39 and kind of get that frame. He says, but we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. I want to remind us again, I know I've said this a ton, But we've got to think about who this letter is written to, and that's going to play an important role in what we do today as well. That these are people that are persecuted, that are going through hard times, that are struggling with life. And the point of this chapter is to encourage those people. And so today we're going to read all of chapter 11 in one setting um, because I think that there's something that's lost when you don't do that. Remember, this was a, a letter that was written to the churches with the intention of being read aloud. So, in a minute, we're going to do that. And so, I want to ask you if, you if it's helpful for you to get your phone or your whatever out and read that or open your Bible and read that, I would encourage you to do that. We're going to read all of chapter 11. But I want to ask you to stay plugged in. Before we get there, though, I want us to, to kind of think about this in context um, of that reminder that we are not, we don't draw back, we're not destroyed because we have faith and because uh, we are saved. Um, In chapter 11 of Hebrews, we see the author use this teaching style called exemplia, And I mentioned this two weeks ago. And the idea behind that is that you give so many references, so many examples, that by the time you're done with the list, everybody's going, yes, we get it. Okay, faith. That's a thing that we need to do is to be faithful. Um, And we're going to see the author do that today. So in the spirit of that, we're going to read this whole letter today. But before we do that, here's what I want to do. Because the people that this letter is written to, they know what's going on, right? They are living in the midst of the mess. And so as this letter is being read to them, as they are receiving it, there's all these things that are happening in their lives that's coming to mind. And you might find yourself in that same place today with things that are happening currently or things that have happened in the past, that as we read this, those things are going to be brought to mind. But also, I want to kind of give you an idea of where we're headed because as we read this, I want us to find encouragement just like the original hearers did, that we know what God is doing so that we are encouraged and we're, we don't draw back out of fear. Um, God has, has kind of been speaking over the last couple of weeks to me about where we're going next year, right? This is the second day of the year and what are people always doing at this time of the year? They're making resolutions, right? They're thinking about the next year of life and what do I want that to look like and what is that going to be for me and for my family? And the same is not just true for me personally, but that's something that you do whether it's you're a pastor of a church or you lead a business is you're thinking about what's the next year hold and how do I prepare for that? And so I've been doing that for the church and God's been speaking some things to me and we'll dig into that in greater detail at another time, but I want to kind of point us in that direction today. We're going to see Hebrews chapter 11 as kind of a pivot point. Next week we're going to start chapter 12 and we're going to see that the author has been building up to this point point. and there's this big reminder of faith and then he's going to dive into the application of this book. Here look, I've, I've done all this theology, I've reminded you of all the things that I've been doing so that we can continue to be faithful in the things that God's called us to do. So for us as a church, Our goal for next year is to continue to be faithful in the things that God's called us to do. We'll look at some specifics at a later time, but I want to kind of us to generally have that in reference. God spoke for us to title this series that we're in right now, A Story Worth Sharing. And up until this point, our main focus has been on us seeing ourselves in God's redemptive story, right? And what we're going to see happen as we pivot from 11 into chapter 12 is God making a move in the life of the church that this letter is written to and also in our lives of sharing this story that we have found ourselves in. This congregation needed the encouragement, and so do we, right? Because we go through a lot of difficult things in life. I just mentioned a whole bunch of people who are sick, and those things are serious, right? And so in the midst of where we are, just because life is not easy doesn't mean we get a, a, a pass on sharing the gospel or sharing the things that God's doing in our life. So we need encouragement. That's what we're going we're gonna to look at today. Before we get there, hang on, it's coming. I've got a couple more things I want to say, okay? First point I want to make to, for us today before we read is that it's time for us to put our faith into action. That's what we see the author of Hebrews doing in the life of the church that these letters are being written to, or read to. And that's what God's about to do in the life of our church is to put our faith into action. Okay, as we read these words about faith from the author of Hebrews, I want to remind us of a passage that we're very familiar with, and it comes right after the book of Hebrews. It's in James chapter 2, verses 14. It says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have the works, can such a faith save him? We're about to see that this chapter wasn't written merely to make the church feel better about their current circumstances. It was written to remind them of, that true faith moves a person from belief to action. Okay, think about this logically with me. We had hope. That hope transforms into faith. That faith is our beliefs, and that belief turns into action. You see the progression? God wants us to move from something that's just a good idea to something that we own, that we know to be true, and then that affects the way that we live. That's the point of Hebrews chapter 11, and that's what I want us to receive today to put our faith into action to change the world around us, okay? And and I want to point out too, before we start, that this dramatic change in each of these people's lives that we're about to read about changed the world around them. That's why they're mentioned here. Because these people walking in obedience to what God called them to do had a massive impact on the world. And God wants to have that same kind of impact in your life, okay? So that's, everybody got that? That's where we are. That's our frame of mind. So let's dig in. We're going to read Hebrews chapter 11, Hang in there with me, and let's pay attention, and let's receive from the Lord this morning. So, starting in verse 1. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by this our ancestors were approved. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so, that this, so what was seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith Abel offered to, to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man, because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. By faith, Enoch was taken away, and so he did not experience death. He was not to be found, because God took him away. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah... After he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the the land of promise. "...living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have a child, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. Therefore, from one man, in fact, from one good is dead..." came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and as innumerable as the grains of sand along the seashore. These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that they they were promised. But they saw them from a distance, greeted them and confessed that they were foreigners and a temporary residence on the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had an opportunity to return. But now they desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises, and yet uh, he was offering his one and only son, the one to whom it had been said, your offspring will be traced through Isaac. He considered God to be able to e- even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning these things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons, Joseph, um, and he worshipped leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, as he was nearing the end of his life, mentioned the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw the child was beautiful and they did not fear the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since he was looking ahead toward the reward. By faith, he left Egypt behind, not being afraid of the king's anger, for Moses persevered as one who sees him who is invisible." By faith, he instituted the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn not, might, might not touch the Israelites. By faith, they crossed the Red Sea as they were on dry land. When the Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after being marched around by the Israelites for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. And what more can I say? Time is too short For me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Other people were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mocking and scourging as well as the bonds and imprisonment they were stoned they were sawed in two they died by the sword they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins destitute afflicted and mistreated the world was not worthy of them they wandered in deserts and on mountains hiding in caves and holes in the ground all these were approved through their faith but they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us man amen right All these great patriarchs of our faith had just that. They had faith. That's why they're mentioned here. They trusted God and they believed and and chose to faithfully follow his leading. Church, that's what we're called to do. As we read this this great hall of believers, God is calling us to be faithful, to trust that his promises are always yes and amen, that he's going to do the things that he says he's going to do. We're called to trust God with everything and to do what he has asked us to do. In in closing up our study of Hebrews, we're going to be challenged to do some things that we haven't done before. I'm just giving you a heads up. That's coming. We're going to be challenged to, to, to do ministry to a degree that's new to us. It's going to look different than it's looked before. We're going to see God do things that we didn't think were possible as we trust him. And while that can feel scary, we can look back at this list that we just read and be reminded that those uh, that have gone before us, they were scared too. When God told Moses to go back into Egypt, he was not excited about that, right? We're not alone in how we feel. As God calls us to new ministry, and we haven't been able to see it somewhere else before, remember that Noah had never seen a boat or a flood. But God had him build a big one, and a big flood came. You see, in our minds, often if we haven't seen something before, if we haven't seen it done successfully in a ministry setting, when God begins to speak those things, we think there's no way that'll work. But Noah probably had the same thoughts when God gave him the plans for a boat. What is this? Right? So what is it that God wants us specifically to do? I think that's the question. And for me, it's a pretty easy one to answer. God's called us to share our story of his work in our life. We've been talking about that a lot, right? That's not new information. God's desire for you and I is to share with other people what God's doing in our life with the hopes that, with the faith, excuse me, with the faith that God's going to do the same in theirs. How's that going to transpire? I don't know. But I think the goal is for us to take a journey with someone until they learn by experience who God really is. Until they learn what we got an opportunity to learn. My hope is that we can trust God enough to step outside of what's, un, what's known as successful ministry and trust Him to do something new, to follow Him into that unknown. We're a pretty diverse group of people with interests that are kind of all over the place. As I was thinking about you guys this weekend and thinking what all of you really enjoy doing, we got a pretty pretty. Wide uh, array of things from, uh, I just made a quick list. Zumba. We got some people who are passionate about that. uh, Or dancing. Gaming. Gardening. Card making. Hunting. Cooking. That's my favorite. Reading. Crafting. God wants to use all of those things. The things that He has made us interested in. He wants to use that for the sake of sharing with people the truth about who He is. Whatever it is that you love to do, God can use that to draw people to himself and those people will get to see God's activity in your life as you share that I pointed out two weeks ago that probably I don't know what I I just stuck a number on this 90% of the people who come to faith are there because someone else shared the gospel with them somebody else invested in their life and typically that centers around something in common that you have right you did an activity together that you both enjoy and as that relationship grew The Holy Spirit began to work in your life and you got to hear the truth about who God was and you entered into that relationship. Somebody in your life took the time to invest in you. If we look at the life of Jesus, what did he spend all his time in his ministry doing? Loving people, right? They ate together, they laughed together, he taught them, they spent time together. You think about the twelve disciples and I don't know how it worked out physically But they are always together. Jesus invested in those 12 guys. And that's what God's asking us to do, is to look at our lives, the people that he's placed around us, and say, who are these people that we're supposed to invest in? And how do we go about doing that? And we're going to talk more specifics about that as we get closer to that time. As we study Hebrews chapter 12 and 13, we're going to see some specific things, and we'll address those when we get there. But the author of Hebrews writes this letter to encourage the church, and specifically to remind them of why they chose to believe in christ to begin with to say look i know things are hard right now but newsflash you're not the first one to have something hard happen in your life jesus even told us to expect that he said if the world hates me they'll hate you even more right and so we shouldn't be surprised when hardship comes that's a part of living in a broken world we spent a whole year talking about that i'm not going to rehash it but that's part of what it means to live on earth God is calling out to men and women of faith from the Old Testament. He's calling them out to our remembrance to remind the church that no matter what you're going through at this very moment, God is faithful. Whatever your struggle is right now, God is faithful. All these men and women knew God well enough to trust Him fully. They placed their faith in Him and they did what God told them to do. That brings me to point number two, okay? We're not always going to see the results of our faithful action. And should think about that for me, because this is a hard one. We're not always going to see the results of the faith of our faithful action. We live in a society that's obsessed with speed and pro- productivity. Okay, my life revolves around speed and productivity. I have a big list of things to do. How fast can I get them done, and how well can I do them? Doing them that fast, right? That's my frame of thought every day. Those in and of themselves are not bad. Getting things done quickly, efficiently, and well. Those are good things, right? Can we all agree that that's good? Yes, okay. The problem is that we try to gauge our relationship with God and with others using those same metrics. And they don't compute. Right? That's kind of the whole point of this letter. These church members are struggling. And the natural response when you're struggling is to stop whatever is causing the struggle, right? That's... That's the temptation that these people are facing. Life got hard. And the temptation is to say, look, this is really a lot more difficult than I planned for, so I'm, a, I'm out and I'll catch y'all never. Okay, see you later. That's, that's, that's the tendency. Like, you, 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 you touch a hot pan, what do you do? You jerk your hand back. Why? Because it hurts. That's, we're hardwired to respond that way. Our bodies are wired to avoid pain. I was talking with a friend this week, and he mentioned in our conversation uh, the Israelites complaining just after they crossed the Red Sea. Y'all remember that story we did a couple of years ago? They crossed the Red Sea. They're a couple of days into the wilderness, and they're all complaining and saying, "Why didn't you just leave us in Egypt?" Wait, what? You were you were a slave. You just saw God do all these miracles, Pharaoh finally let us grow, we crossed the Red Sea as if it was dry land, Pharaoh's army chased us, the sea collapsed on them, killed our enemy and now we're free and you're a little tired and thirsty and you you, you want to go back to all of that? And, And it's easy to point fingers but that's our natural response, right? Life got hard even though God had done all this stuff and they want to go back to what was easy. They've forgotten the pain of what it was like to be a slave. The same is true for us. The same was true for the church that this letter was written to. And that's why the letter was written. To remind us that life is going to be difficult. But you know what the really neat thing is? The part about being a believer that I really love is that I get to be in a community like this. And as I look around the room, I know the struggles of the people in this room because we're tight, right? We know each other. And I know that whatever's going on in my life, I'm not alone. Whenever Israel was stuck in Egypt, they were measuring God's work with earthly metrics, and it just didn't add up. We need to be reminded just like they need to be reminded, and just like the churches in Rome needed to be reminded, that just because we aren't seeing the results that we expect to see, doesn't mean that God isn't working. Or that we did something wrong. Because that's what the enemy tries to tell us. We obey God, life gets difficult, and immediately the enemy is in our ear saying, you screwed this up. You're the reason that this is hard. And often that's not the case. Life is hard because the world's broken. Life is hard because God's asking us to do something that's bigger than we are. And it's going to require us to trust him to do what only he can do. I want us to pay special attention to a couple of verses in, in chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. It says, these all died in faith, although they had not received the things that they were promised. But they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had the opportunity to return. But they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed we call their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And then verses 36 through 40 said, Others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they died by the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the desert and on the mountains, hiding in the caves and the holes in the ground. But all these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us we got to remember that we don't operate in the same timeline that God does right we're infinite be- or we're finite beings working within the plans a, of an infinite God our lifespan, lifespan if we're lucky 70 years 80 years God's existed in all of time right and he's not fixing to end anytime and so when God is working in your life we're looking at it from a very narrow lens and often when things aren't going the way we expect them to go we assume it's because what God told us to do is not working out but often that is simply not the case it's just that our our viewpoint is so small that we don't get to see the bigger picture of what God's trying to accomplish And I want to point that out because all of these people that were mentioned, he made a point to say that they didn't see the promise. What was the promise? The promise is that one would come who would what? Crush the serpent's head. We talked about that last week. The one that would come to restore and redeem God's people, to to reunite us with God. All of these people that were listed in in this chapter 11 heard the same promise that one day, the one that was coming that would crush the serpent's head. All of them looked forward to that promise. All of them obeyed in faith of that promise. And just because they didn't get to see the promise doesn't mean that God was not faithful. Right? God is faithful. Just sometimes it takes longer than what we'd like. And it may not happen in our lifetime. But that's okay. The world, again, is obsessed with speed, with instant gratification. I want to click the button and have my stuff right now. I want the internet to be fast. But God doesn't work that way. Faith doesn't mean that we trust God as long as we can see the results of our faithfulness. Faith means we trust God no matter what the visible outcome is. As we move forward into what God's calling us to do over the next year, we'll need to keep that in mind. But God is doing far more than we can see. And it's going to outlive us. God's work in your life and my life has a farther reach than we could ever know. The conversations that you have, the way you love others, all of that stuff matters. It matters enough that God has called each and every one of us to do it. You were created to be in a relationship with God. And that is always for the work of his good people or of his people. You are alive because God's intent for you is to share the truth about who he is with other people. He wants other people to know him the way that you have had the opportunity to know him. We live in a broken world and often those troubles that we're facing are preparing us for what comes next or possibly even preventing someone else from having to have that same trouble. I was thinking about this this morning as I was kind of typing all this out. I'll give you an example. It's my personal goal that all of my children will learn how to abide before they leave my house. And the the reason I have that goal is, is a couple of fold, but primarily this is going to enable them to have their own relationship with God. And it will prevent them from having to live in dead religion like I did for most of my life. The struggles that I went through, the detoxing that it took for me to truly understand God's grace can be bypassed by my children if I can teach it to them. You see, my perspective has to be different though. This doesn't mean that my kids aren't going to have struggles But I have faith that they won't have the same ones that I had. That those struggles will be different. All of these examples of faithful followers of God that are given in this book are there to remind us of what faith and action looks like. And often it's different than what the world says it's going to look like. It's also there to remind us that if we begin trusting God with the small things and following Him into the larger things, we will have faith for every moment. That no matter what life brings, you will have faith to carry you through that. Not because you've worked really hard, because you're a really good person, but because you can trust the character of God because you know that he's going to do those things that he says he's going to do. And no, no matter what you face, God's been preparing you for that your whole life. Or I look back over my life, I can see that when things were hard for me to deal with, some of them make sense. Some of them I can go, oh, okay, I see what you were doing, God. You were getting me ready for this next step. But there's a lot in my life that I look back on and I go, I don't know. I don't know why that happened. And I may never know. But that's okay too. Because I know that God is faithful. I know that he's working not just for my good, but for the good of my family and for my friends. We won't always have the answers, but we will have a faithful God and a body of believers that are ready and willing to be there with us too. To journey that together. Even though life's difficult sometimes, God is asking us to trust Him. And His track record is perfect. Right? When God's people trust Him, He always comes through. What an awful privilege it is to be asked to be to, to be a part of what God's doing. As we move forward through these last couple of chapters of Hebrews, we're going to need this reminder that God's faithful. God's going to be calling us to some things that we haven't done before. I don't know what that's going to look like. I'm not like leading into something big that I'm going to spring on you later. That's not what's happening. I just know that we're never done growing, right? As a people, as a church, I look around and I'm very proud of what God's done through this body. But I'm also really excited because I know if God's done this through us, he can do a lot more through us and through others. Okay, so as, as you're spending time with the Lord this week, as we're getting ready to start chapter 12, be praying and asking God, what, it is, what is it this year that you're calling me to? As you're thinking about your own personal goals, think about ministry goals. Spend some time this week in your quiet time with the Lord saying, God, what do you have for me this year? What is this going to look like? Not just in the body, not just in the context of our church, please do that as well, but at work. Or with your kids that you homeschool or with the friends that you have. God, what are the spiritual goals that you have for me and for these people around me this year? And how can I lean into that? How can I work with you and what you're already doing? God's got some exciting stuff ahead for us and I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. And I hope you are too. I don't, we hadn't decided the date yet, but pretty soon we're going to do a kind of our annual state of the church um, day where... We're going to give Bethany and, and her ministry team an opportunity to speak. And I'll speak about what God's been speaking for this year. And uh, that's always really exciting for me because it gives us new perspective. It gives us opportunity to, to really dive into what God's doing in our lives. So that's coming. I love you guys. Let's pray and we'll, uh, we'll finish up. Father, I thank you that you are so faithful. That you are who you say you are and you do the things that you say you're going to do. God as we're preparing for a new year Lord I ask that you would speak very clearly to each of us about the goals that you have for us not that we would just be out there marking a checklist off Father but that we would be joined with you in your activity. That we would get to experience you that you would build our faith through walking with you. God I'm so thankful that you are as personal as you are and that your desire is to know each of us in such an intimate way. Father as As we're preparing this week, if there's anybody in here that's unsure about how to hear your voice or how to pray the way we've talked about praying, or is just unsure in their faith, Father, I ask that you give them the courage to talk to somebody. God, I know that you want to know us. Father, I ask that you'd help each person in this room to feel that, to see that today. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.